Hi and welcome to Defining Boundaries, a podcast about the interesting characters from our surveying and spatial industry and their unique perspectives on life and our industry. I'm Peter Cox and I use my 25 years of contacts as a surveyor and teacher to dig deep into the lives of others. Each fortnight, I delve into the life and times of people from all over the world who share the same profession and passions. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like, comment, feel free to share with your friends. Do you have a question about the surveying or spatial industry? Or would you like to join me for a chat? Or would you like to hear from someone in particular? If so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram and we can catch up. Welcome back to part two of my chat with Craig Roberts. I'm sure you've all been waiting since last week for the finale. We finish our chat today talking about positive narratives within the industry, technology, uncertainties, and the value of surveyors and the opportunities that are in front of us. So grab your drink, sit back, relax, while we continue our chat. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox. How do you see our profession changing in the next 10 years? Um, well, I think it's already changing. And um, again, I, th I think what's really important in our little profession, and this is going to sound funny, but I think it's important that we have a positive narrative. Mm -hmm. And I don't hear enough of that. I hear it from some. Um, super impressed with ACS. Yeah. Um, you know, Association Consulting Survey, super impressed with those guys. They are just constantly amazing me with the way that they deal with their profession and look after their professionals and raise the standard all the time. It's wonderful. And that narrative is really, really important. Um, um, and so what I mean by that is that I hear a lot of surveyors just kind of like defending territory, just going, oh, well, we used to do this and we used to do that. And now these guys are coming in and, well, they can't do it as well as us. And, uh, negative, 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 you know, so boring to hear. Like imagine going along to an open day and talking to a high school kid like that, you know, <laughs> like as if they're going to jump on board, yeah. you know. Whereas at the same time, we now have not just GPS, but multi-GNSS giving us centimetres in real time backed up by cause networks. We have data modernization, you know, so we have this fantastic data now, which is just so solid, you know, that we can, we can enable. We've got laser scanners, but we don't just have terrestrial laser scanners. We've got um, mobile laser scanners that yep. you might strap onto a car, yep. or you've got a laser scanner that you might walk around with. Yeah. We've got a laser scanner that you might put on a drone. Oh yeah, we've got drones too. And then drones take photographs, but they don't only take photographs. They could also do infrared. They could yep. also do this and all of this stuff. And, and then there's satellite imagery out of the wazoo, you know, and all sorts of, you know, now we've got an open spatial data policy. Thank mm -hmm. you, Narelle, um, across New South Wales. We've got maps going digital. We've got so much information coming and so many different devices that we can be using and integrating and you need people who are expert on doing this. So you don't go to the salesman and he says, oh, yeah, you press this button and it'll give you millimetres. Well, what happens when you move your laser scanner somewhere else and try and line it up then and it doesn't fit? And what's <laughs> georeferencing anyway? And by the way, what's uncertainty? How much is a millimetre? How do you put this stuff together? You know, this is the value that surveyors give, right? Because we teach this stuff. We understand mm -hmm. datums. We understand what a scale factor is. We understand that we lived on a curved earth. We might have to deal with that stuff. We understand how to do this and to put it together. So when a client, you know, you ask them, how good do you want it? They say millimetres because they don't know what a millimetre is. <laughs> Right, we go, mm, how about centimetres or five mil or, you know, um, it's surveyors that can diagnose those problems yeah. and give those solutions to people. We have got so many opportunities to do this. I, I heard this great story um, from South Australia when they were building the superhighway and the, the, the project surveyor was going to take that on board. 
said, oh, so do you have the plans for the superhighway? Well, the, the engineers gave him paper CAD diagrams and he spent, oh, I don't know, two, three months trying to digitise the whole thing into his little software. And then he had people coming to him with data from robotic total stations, from digital levels, from GNSS, from laser scanners. And pretty soon they realised that as soon as they had data, they better give it to this guy because he, know he knows how to put it together. Yeah. in his database which he has yep. digitally he knows how to put it together he became the data custodian on the site no one went to anyone else except him because he was the guy this is how we've got to bill ourselves yeah we understand datums oh where did you get that data from oh uh what does that say here isg what does that stand for <laughs> oh uh, uh right we know you know oh, agd66 gda94 wgs84 holy shit what a nightmare that datum is it's not even a datum you know like so surveyors are the ones who have have this we have the language we understand all this stuff and know how to put it together if we don't know we know who to ask or how to put it together so that people can be certain on how good their data is right so it's one thing to have data it's another thing to have certainty on it so you know like the classic the the structural engineer will design the bridge to move this amount or is it moving that amount so the surveyor will then design a survey to measure how much it's moving and they can say it is actually moving this amount within these bounds within standard deviation within 95 percent confidence interval yeah so that side of things and we don't tell the world that no one knows that Mm. No one knows that, you know, and, and increasingly people are saying, oh, well, the cadaster's getting better, so you won't need registered surveyors anymore. Who's going to take the, who's gonna take the, the fall for it when it's not right? <laughs> who's going to be the authoritative voice, you know? Who's the one who's going to sign off on it and say, no, this is right in my professional judgment? Yeah, it's registered surveyors. There's so much that could be happening when we're going to 3D cadaster. We're going to have flying drones soon. You know, emergency services by drone flying in a corridor, a 3D corridor with a, with some sort of legal instrument of who defines that corridor, registered surveyor. It's all coming, you know. There is so much that we could be doing. So this idea of defending territory and going, oh, well, it's not how we used to do things. Oh, God, that drives me bananas. There's so much we could be doing. Get on the front foot and own it. Own it. We've got so much we can be doing before bloody mechatronics people come along or civil engineers, no idea about uncertainty, you know? Let's own this stuff. It's like that conversation that we had on LinkedIn of someone saying, oh, yeah, we don't need surveyors anymore because all these people know how to use these, these different pieces of equipment. And it's like, well, no, hang on. They know how to use the equipment. They don't know how it all fits together and how it affects... And, and you know what freaks me out about that? Mm -hmm. The guy bills himself as an educator. I know. <laughs> My ass. Yeah. Yeah. That, right? Like. I, I, I just was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but, just, so I am constantly challenged by this stuff in my teaching, you know. So I'm... Mm -hmm. You know, like, am I up to date? Have I got the latest? Did you know that uh, the geodetic technical manual is, GDA technical manual is now version 1.6? Holy shit, last year it was 1.3. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, like it's constantly changing. I mean, look, there are only little minor changes, but, you know, I feel like I've got to constantly keep up with this sort of stuff, you know? And, and I get that surveyors are super busy with what they're doing. So, you know, that's why I try and get out of conferences and things like that and, yeah, think about what I'm going to sort of present and, you know, perhaps be the bridge between, you know, what's happening and what, what, what industry, you know, should be knowing as well. So, yeah, yeah it's, it should be a symbiotic relationship, you know, because I, I go along to these conferences and I get as much out of the conferences as well too. I'm just learning from what, you know, current practice is. Yeah. 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 Who's had the biggest impact on your career? Ooh. Probably, probably Professor Chris Rizos, I'd have to say, mm -hmm. because he was the one that uh, gave me the break. But maybe actually even before that, Jim Stowell, who's a bit of an arms dealer, to be honest, he was the guy who got me the job at UNAVCO. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and really, based on nothing, <laughs> based on a feel, I asked, he got me a beer afterwards and I said, Jim, why did you employ me? And he goes, well, you young surveyor traveling around climbing and this and that, and you seemed like you can handle yourself. And that was the sort of person we were looking for. So this was before they needed a master's or anything like that. So that was really great. That yeah. gave me a first kick step. But, but Chris, definitely. Chris has been like a mentor for me since 96. And um, he is, was the president of the International Association of Geodesy. And he's now the um, president-elect for the International Union of Geodesy and Geophysics. So again, here's this idea of the anti-intellectualism. This guy is representing Australia internationally mm. on this massive organisation. IUGG is really, really big. They're one down from the Academy of Science, right? So they're really, really big. This brings enormous kudos to Australia as does Geoscience Australia. Can I say that? You know, like Gary Johnston used to be the chair of the governing board for the IGS. People are going, what's the IGS? That's the International GNSS Service. They're the guys who uh, have like a GPS network all over the globe. And a subset of that is in Australia, which is the basis for our GDA 2020 datum that we're all using, you know? So this is how science filters down into everything that we do. So yeah, Chris very much. So he took me on as, he was my supervisor for my PhD. And um, then he was my boss as, um, and I've watched his career progress from senior lecturer to associate professor to a professor and, you know, these, these roles. And the thing is that if I go overseas and go and present at a conference, they go, oh, who are you? Craig Roberts, nobody. And I say, oh, I'm at UNSW. They go, UNSW? And I said, yeah, Chris Rizos. And they go, oh, Chris, yes. So I get to ride along on that wave. So that's been hugely, hugely beneficial to me. Yeah. But then perhaps can I just say that as a teacher at UNSW, as a teacher, very much my uh, role model would be Bruce Harvey. Mm-hmm. So Bruce Harvey's one of these quiet, you know, operators. There's a lot of them. You see them around at different universities who don't big note themselves. They don't want to be famous. They don't want any of that. They just want to go and teach their students and be really, really good. And can I say, this is a big claim, I think that the quality of surveyors in New South Wales is very high and a large proportion of that is due to Dr. Bruce Harvey. He is just such a good educator, such a good educator, you know, and I I watch the way that he teaches and we talk a lot and, and I really, I get a lot from him. I continue to get a lot from him. So yeah, I'm hugely grateful to both Chris and Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had the pleasure of meeting meeting them. One day maybe that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> One day. So you I, I so you obviously you would read a lot um you know trying to keep up to date and everything. What's the most interesting thing that you've sort of read this this week, this month that <laughs> has had a bit of an effect on you? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I do read a lot. I, I, I read a lot of the paper, to be honest, and, and just sort of keeping up with stuff. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment called Econo Babble <laughs> by Richard Dennis. So he's the um, he's the chief economist of the Australia Institute. Okay. And uh, yeah, his book is just basically talking about how you cut through all of the economic bullshit that you hear from politicians making <laughs> arguments about this, that, and the other, and they're trying to hide what it is that they're actually doing. So it's kind of like giving you a little way of doing it. So that, that's a pretty interesting book. Um, but most interesting stuff that I've read, I did read something really, really interesting the other day. I can't remember quite what it was. Because um, it, and it was, and it was going to go, Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? It was going to go into my lecture notes as well. I did write it, write it down there. Um, yeah, because oh, I oh, look, I get a lot. I really get a lot, you know. Um, I, I went along to a thing, you know, you mentioned at the start that I like Shakespeare. There was a thing for the Royal Shakespeare Company yesterday at the Randwick Ritz that I went to. Um, and out of that, I think I've got an exam question. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm always looking for kooky things yeah. that I can include um, as exam questions, hopefully no student's going to listen to this, but, um, you know, like I've got, I've got exam questions. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a quote from as you like it, you know, and, um, so I can, I can turn a little, that into a little mathematical thing. Right. But by the same token, introduce students to a bit of literature and a bit of, yeah. you know, art, because I think a lot of engineering students miss out on that. 
Um, I um, have exam questions from Dr. Seuss books. So, nice. <laughs> you know, because I'm reading books to my kids and I'm going, oh, that's an exam question. <laughs> my poor kids. That was before. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I went along to the art gallery and I saw a Tom Roberts painting of um, Kuji and, 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 you know, all sort of down there. And I thought that there was a really good exercise there because there was a little building in the background. This is back in 1918 or 19, sorry, 1908 or 1902 or something. Mm. This famous photo of Kuji. There's a little building there. And uh, I'd like to have a little exercise with students where they do some uh, searching, historical searching, you know, uh, for... Um, um, and land documents and finding out what that building was that Tom Roberts painted. Because obviously an iconic building and and it's not there anymore. So what was it? You know what I mean? But that way it introduces them to the Australian impressionists. Yeah. So they're getting that cultural and... Yeah. Yeah. I want to do more of that so that our graduates come out and they're a bit broader, you know, so that they kind of, so that if they go to the art gallery, they go, ah, we did an assignment on that. Who is this guy? Tom Roberts. Is he related to Craig? <laughs> is, is he? Is he? <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how do you relax then? Because, you know, you've, all, you've always got something going through your head about, you know, what, what you're going to do for your students and how you're going to integrate stuff. Do you ever relax? Plenty of time to relax when you're dead, Peter. <laughs> um, oh, look, I got a lot of energy. Um, yeah. I'm sort of guy wakes up in the morning, you know, like, bing, I'm on, I'm on hundred percent. I'm a morning person. Like to wake up early, like to hit it go for it you know and by about nine o'clock nine thirty, when when lights out i'm gone like mm-hmm. I'll, within 10 minutes i've got to be in bed you know like just yeah. the batteries just just you know yeah i'm not a night person by any means <laughs> um but how do i relax oh look my my absolute favorite thing in the world still i was introduced to it when i was 16 years old and i'm still like a kid is rock climbing yeah just can't put my shoes on fast enough. Just come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, is it relaxing? Maybe not. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love it's, it. Is love your kind it, of zone it. out, zone out time? Totally. Yeah. This, yeah, yeah. It's totally really focus on what you're doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And because I've been doing it all my life, it's very second nature to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the movement and, and, and it's, it's like, you know, like people do, um, People do yoga, they do Tai Chi, they try and find their nirvana through that. You know, I, I do that through climbing. Absolutely. Absolutely through climbing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a sort of practice, I guess. And it takes you to wonderful places, um, keeps you fit, got a bit of a sore back. It's good for your back, you know. And like, here I am, what am I? Oh, 54, you know, still climbing. Yeah. Still climbing pretty well. Doing okay, you know, for an old bloke. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Nice. Do your kids? Yeah. Do your kids do it with you? Oh, I dragged them out a little bit. Um, I'm I'm hopeful for the older one that he might come back because he. I mean, they both like the outdoors. Uh, my younger one, I used to take a bit, and and yeah, he was into it. But he's kind of, you know, sixteen and a bit monosyllabic at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I still feel the good in him, you know. So maybe maybe they'll come back. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mm. So are you with a club or something or does it nah. you just go? Yeah, nah, I kind of avoid clubs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've just been in it forever. So I just know a lot of people and, um, yeah, just, yeah, and, and just go and, you know, like I'm a bit of a Labrador really. I meet people and go, g'day, how you going? You want to go climbing? Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> really? And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've been described like as a Labrador, you know. (laughs) If you could go back in history, where would you go? Oh. Do I have to stay there or just sneak back and have a bit of a look around? Go back and have a look around. Do I only have to go to one period or is there lots Uh, of periods? Tell me. Give me me them all. 
oh my god there's just so many isn't there there's just so many i mean it'd be interesting to sort of go back and sort of see the 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 library of alexandria um Uh that was you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched Cosmos in the 80s. So Carl Sagan did Cosmos yeah. and his first, it was a fantastic episode about physics and the universe and everything. And he, he's wonderful, Carl Sagan, great communicator. And he started off in the, in the Library of Alexandria, which was an incredible place. You know, all of the knowledge of human history was in that library and it got burnt down. Oh. Um and it's a bit of contentious as to who might have burnt it down. But anyway, you just wonder, had that not burnt down, where would we be now in history? Because so much human knowledge was destroyed in that one fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that would be pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, there's just so many different periods. Um, yeah, so many different periods. As you get older, you get more and more interested in history, don't you? Yeah. I think you know? So. Well, I mean, I was always interested in history anyway, so... Mm you know from from picking your subjects in for year 11 and everything Mm. yeah i've always been interested in the egypt and all that kind of stuff that Mm. Mm. um yeah i mean but even sort of like modern history you know like what what was happening around the Cuban Missile Crisis? You know, like what was the discussions that were happening, you know, on the radio at the time, you know, because it's reported back to you now, you know, it makes you sort of wonder about how they're going to report on Trump in the future, you know, how he's going to be remembered in history. And, and you know, like, so if you live through those sort of periods versus um, how it's then looked back on history, you know, I was, when I was in Germany, I was just absolutely fascinated by some people that you would meet. I was really fascinated by the East Germany. And, you know, I met this lady who lived through World War One, World War Two, uh, the wall going up and the wall coming down. Oh, wow. You know, you know, and, and, and like, wow, what a history, wow. you know, what a history. And like, I just remember being in Munich and coming out of the underground in Audienzplatz, uh, in, that's uh, one of the underground stations there. And I, we had this picture on the wall of Hitler standing there with lines of stormtroopers, you know, um, and this was in like 1940, you know, and here I was in 1992 or three or something like that coming out just 42 years later. And you could go over to the wall and you could see little pock marks in there where bullet holes had taken stuff out. And you think far out history happened right here, right here in this square, you know, um, amazing. And those people all live that. That's, that's normal. Mm. You know, so all those sorts of things would have been, yeah, would mm. have been pretty interesting to see Hitler as an orator when he first got started and just to see how the room reacted to him, to this guy, because that's how he got started. He was an orator. That was his, his superpower, yeah. you know, and yeah, mm. Mm. that'd so be pretty interesting. Yeah, it would be. There is, I agree. There's so many places to <laughs> good to go back to for sure. But isn't it wonderful that we have a whole life of just investigating history, you know, our own little personal education. What fun. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of superpowers, if you had one, what would it be? Probably flying, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon flying. You know, I often look at birds and you sometimes see them like dying through trees and stuff like that. And I say, oh, man, that'd be me. That'd be me. (laughs) You know, and I'd be I'd be be dive bombing people, (laughs) you know. And yeah, 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 yeah. I um, could yeah, I think see that. <laughs> and, and pretty handy climbing, actually. You know, you could just climb anywhere, really. Don't need ropes. Don't get held back. You fall off, just fly off. Yeah, yeah, no, flying would be good. Yeah. 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 Freedom. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you could take a camera with you, then you wouldn't need a drone, right? Don't need batteries. No. Just take photos, you know, just strap a GPS to your head. There you go. The life of Craig. <laughs> Soaring a bit high. of spaying on the side, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the title of your memoir? <laughs> um, 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 this is funny you should say that because I, I cycle on with, yes. with you know i'm one of those mammals yes so you know get up early saturday morning and get in lycra and just ride in packs and stuff like that and i'm a bit of a piss taker as you can tell you know for me a good ride is not about how fast you go so how many funny jokes you say um and one of them was um uh 
when we'd just done a little sprint and I won the sprint and I said afterwards, the, the story of my life would be called Instinct of a Champion. You know, <laughs> just to take the piss out of everyone. I was younger, I was older than all of them and I beat them in this ride, so I'm just sticking yeah. it up. And, but no, that wouldn't be it. I'd have to say probably Craig Roberts' 2IC. Mm -hmm. I, I always seem to be, in many things that I do, I always seem to be second in command, but I don't mind that. You know, like, so when Chris was president of the IAG, yep. um, he would be overseas most of the time, right? Yes. If you saw him in Australia, it's like, must be something yep. wrong. What's he doing here? So he was overseas all the time. So while he was gone, I found myself doing a lot of his work, which I was happy to do. Let, let, let me just say that. But he needed someone to sort of cover for him, you know? And I'm often in that sort of situation when someone's in charge, a lot of people are really happy to put their hand up and be in charge. Whereas I might sort of go, I might balk a little bit at that, but if someone else puts their hand up, yeah. I'll go, okay, well, I'll be, I'll be your two IC sort of thing, you know, like, and I'm good. At, I think I'm good at that. Right. I, I, I understand the position that people are in and understand that my job is to push it out of the way so that they can do what they need to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Craig Roberts, two IC. Mm. There you go. What do you reckon? Sounds good. <laughs> I reckon you've probably got a really good uh, book you could write to. <laughs> <laughs> the first loser. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. What three words would describe you? Oh, Jesus. Um, enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, energetic. Um, um, sound like a wanker if I say oh, funny. Oh my so god, maybe, have I stumped Craig Roberts? <laughs> no, no, well, no, I had too many things going through my mind. Maybe, <laughs> maybe curious, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe curious, yeah. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, Maybe don't be too icy. Back yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have there's this imposter syndrome yeah. that people have. Yeah. You know, and we all have that. And and I do too. Um, and you, you know, like maybe I could sort of like look back at my younger self and say, Well, believe in yourself because so often, you know, you hold back and someone else goes for it and you think, Oh, they're actually pretty shit. I, I reckon I could do a better job than that. No, you know, no. and it's just like, so had only at those times I'd said, no, I'll do that. I'll do that. You know, but there's, you always think of reasons not to do it, but you don't think of reasons yeah. to do it. And yeah, so yeah, maybe that. Mm. Uh, that's so true for so many people and even myself. And I sort of think, oh, no, I couldn't do, uh, I'm not qualified enough to do that or I don't think I'm the right person to do that. Mm. And then, yeah, you see someone else go, get the position and you just go, what was I thinking? Why didn't I? I should have, yeah. Should've, um, just just a hot tip on qualifications though, Peter. Yeah. It, it's you and me who give the qualifications. Remember when you're a TAFE teacher, you used to give the qualifications yeah. and I give qualifications for university. So just don't record this part, but the qualifications that the people are getting from us aren't worth the paper they're written on. <laughs> no that's not true that's not true <laughs> but you know what i mean like people go oh i haven't got the qualifications well where did you get the qualification from and from who yeah. what do they know yeah. Yeah. yeah all we do really is guide all we do is guide you know that's what i find that i get a lot of students who come in um and you just feed their big brains mm. yeah mm. yeah i had this student once um and, you know, she would sit near the front of the class and her eyes would track me around the room as I'm giving lectures. And I knew that she was smarter than me and she knew that she was smarter than me. And I was just hoping that no one else in the class knew that she was smarter than me. And do you know who I'm talking about, Peter? Yes, I do. This would be our Surveyor General <laughs> of New South Wales. Yep. 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 Yeah. Oh, all, look all, I can, all I can do is guide people like that. 
Yeah. You know, and I've had plenty of students like that and they are just an absolute joy to have in the class because they raise the bar. Yep. Yeah. I've had them and, too. Yep. And it's, it's wonderful. And this is what I mean. We should celebrate this. This is that anti-intellectualism thing that I said to you about before. Mm-hmm. We should celebrate this. You know, this is a good thing. You know, we shouldn't be confronted by this. You know, like if if you've got a footy team and you have to pick a new ruckman, you're not going to pick the second best ruckman, are you? You're going to pick the best one. Yep. That's AFL talk, by the way. I'm an AFL guy. Because <laughs> you're South Australian. <laughs> Originally, yep, yep, yep. <sighs> What's one item you could never live without? Oh. Um, probably my climbing gear, I reckon. Yeah, I'd say so too. <laughs> yeah, can't can't let that go. Yep. Yep. What makes you smile? <laughs> um witty turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I like confidence, you know, when someone's confident and they've got a witty turn of phrase, you say something and they they come back at you with a quickie. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And that's why I like Shakespeare. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's very cheeky. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest strength? Well, maybe um, communication, talking, you know, gift of the gab. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that. Mm. Are you an organised person or a messy person? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty organised, um, but that's not to say that, you know, things aren't messy, but if things are messy, it's because they've currently got low priority. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a lot of things I want to do. Right. And it's just like cleaning up doesn't fit high on the agenda. So I do other things first and I'll come back and clean up later. So, yeah. So I, yeah, I think I'm pretty organized. Mm, okay. Um, would you, do you, do you regret your decision to go into surveying? Um, no, no, I, I, I don't regret it, but I think I've been fortunate also in that, um, I think had we not embraced a whole bunch of these new technologies, which are really adding to what it is that we do, then I might've regretted it, but because now, and also now being, again, being in the big school that I'm in. I can see how what it is that we do adds value to others. So, for instance, um, at, at the APAS, the last APAS conference, I gave a presentation about Thirlmere Lakes and a vertical control network that I did there. And there was a project that came about because I was dealing with guys who do groundwater. Mm-hmm. And they measure groundwater with piezometers, which they stick in the ground and they measure the pressure of the water and they can determine height. The trouble was the piezometers were mounted in PVC pipe, which was in turn mounted into peat, which would move up and down. So the measurements they were making were moving up and up and down. So they didn't know actually whether the water was going up and down or not. And I got talking to them and said, "Um, do you want a vertical control network that doesn't move so that you could measure the PVC and then take that out? And they, yeah, can you do that? It's just like, yes, we can. They didn't know that. Mm. they didn't or didn't know how to enable that to happen they knew it could happen but how do you do it right so so, so i had 17 students i made this project for my 4150 course that i was doing anyway and it was a fantastic project it came out really really well and we did a whole bunch of other stuff read the paper in the apes conference Mm. um but um it really made me realize the value that we can add to other professions to other scientists you know and then i think that surveyors really have to think more broadly about these sorts of things that we can do you know so that we have these abilities to do these things and to really benefit from these technologies that are out there into um non-standard areas you know so generally we sort of think about oh land development and all this sort of stuff well there's a whole bunch of other areas that we can do you know can we get satellite imagery and and interpret that and then use that as something that we can commercially offer you know, what other opportunities are out there? And so the fact that we now have all of those things and this breadth that is on offer makes it exciting for me. 
Mm. you know to think oh yeah this is a really great profession to be in because we can do all of these new things wonderful yeah. and had that not happened then, mm, maybe yeah yeah <laughs> and also being able to teach and stand in front of a class and you know talk and crack jokes and deal with young enthusiastic people keeps me young it's wonderful it's wonderful so yeah yeah, yeah. I'm very I feel incredibly privileged to be where where I'm at yeah I think I think with all of this new technology i think it has made it easier to try and sell our profession now because you say well it's not just doing boundaries and picking up houses which you know some people love doing that's their life Mm. that's what Mm. they enjoy Mm. but Mm. you can say you know if you start here the world is your oyster there is so Mm. many different things Mm. that you can Mm. do with that foundation of Mm. Mm. absolutely Anyway, that's the that's the hard hard hitting part of our interview finished. <laughs> Unless there's something else you want to talk about. <laughs> there is actually. Oh. I would I would like to talk about one thing is the yeah. um, succession planning. Okay. Succession planning in education, I think is really, really important. Yeah. And again, I had I had an APAS presentation. Um, a couple of years ago where I talked about uh, what is an education-focused academic. Um, we're in a situation where I'm 54 years old in my school mm-hmm. and I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest academic. So, you know, like if you want to stick to retirement, do academics ever really retire? I've basically got 10 or 11 years left in me before I might retire, yeah? Mm-hmm. And who's next? Who's coming up? We need someone now. We need a young academic who's going to come through. And you know what I'd like? I'd like a registered surveyor who's about 35 years old and is looking for a career change and is looking to deal with young students and having a flexible lifestyle and a good salary and incredible superannuation. Can I, did I tell you that I get 17.5% superannuation? What? I know. Hello. Um, it's oh, my God. Our life, our life is... To get my yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm too old. Um, um, you know, like it, it, it's a good life. I'm having a good life. Being an academic is a good yeah. life. It definitely is. This, you know, we're, we're pretty wedded to it. Like it's like I'm, I'm on all the time thinking all the time about what I can do, but it, I love it. You know, it's, it's really great. And people are intimidated by it because they go, oh, I've got to have a PhD. Well, actually, you don't these days because of education focused. So we have education focused academics, which is what Bruce and myself are. And what we need is people who are going to come in and who have the ability to do what we need is people who can teach surveying right? Field work, registered surveying, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And if they come in early enough, we can mentor them and help them to get them started, you know, and we really, really need the succession planning, but not just at UNSW, we need it across the board. And we need to start a narrative to get that happening. So our future generations coming in, once you're in as an education focused academic without a PhD, you can do a PhD part-time while you're at uni, if you want. Yeah. So we have a guy who teaches in construction who doesn't have a PhD, but Mm -hmm. he's incredibly valuable because he's closely related to the industry. Yeah. And and so the students suddenly get all of this benefit from this guy that they never got before. Rather than sitting in a class doing mathematical problems to pass an exam, he's actually telling them about how they're going to go out and be a civil engineer. You know, and and the school is starting to recognise that that's really important. So we need to get someone who's sitting out there listening to this, who's thinking about it, please, please email me. You know, I want to talk to you about this because like, I'm having a fantastic life. I coached my footy team because my kids footy team, because I have a flexible work life arrangement where I could do that. I could finish work at four o'clock, coach my footy team and then do a little bit of work that night or whatever. Right. We can do this stuff. Yep. Okay. So they need to have a degree. Yep. Do they have to be registered? Uh, I, I would prefer it uh, because um, it would be really, what we're looking for at is someone who can, I mean, no, they don't, but it would be good um, in that uh, they can teach the cadastral course, but that's not, they don't have to, they don't have to be registered to do that, uh, but it just sort of adds a bit of kudos to it. Um, yeah. And that's all they need. Uh, can I just say though, that if you're registered, um, it's considered uh Gosh, I've got to get this right. I might have this wrong. If you get a degree, it's AQF 8, Australian Quality Framework 8, I think. And if you get a master's, I think it's AQF 9. And if you get a PhD, it's AQF 10. Yeah. So 
I think registration, I know that registration as a professional qualification is considered AQF9, same as a master's, right? So if you come in as registered, then you come in as AQF9 rather than AQF8. That would be looked upon well by these metrics-driven universities. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so look, it's a hard sell for unis because for them, PhD is a ticket right? But if you come in saying, oh, I want to come in and do a PhD. Well, I mean, that's wonderful, right? You can do a part-time PhD. I had my PhD student um, finish just last year. He did part-time PhD, 10 years, took him 10 years. Wow. And he took a few breaks in that, but that's okay. You can do that. Yeah, you can do that. And you get to indulge in an area that you've always wanted to be interested in. And if you're in the system and teaching and surrounded by people, then doing your PhD on the side is fine. It fits in. You're surrounded by that right culture, you Mm. know. So first come in, start teaching and doing your PhD at the same time. Why not? You know, and there's, like I said before, there's so many different areas out there that you could indulge in. And then once you've got that PhD, then it gives you a stepladder within the organisation as well. So, yeah. So, look, there's there is definitely opportunities now. There wasn't four years ago at UNSW, right? And we're an elite uni, so to get in, teach with us would be wonderful, and we need it. We really need it for succession planning. But I can see it across the board in mm. Australia. Yeah, well, it's it's off. It's the same in in the vocational sector where I know we haven't thought about succession planning and how to support support. The yes. and it's yeah how to support teachers yeah absolutely teachers need to be supported so yeah I'm, I, i'd like to do a little bit more in that and and perhaps one more thing if i can while I've got oh, you. Go for it. I, I know you got to <laughs> um is that just recently i've had a little bit of success with um our international higher degree our research students yeah um finishing so imagine most of our phd students come from overseas a lot from china yeah. They come to Australia, they do a PhD, they learn the Australian education system, yeah. they finish and they want to work in Australia. They, either they might want to go back to China, but a lot of them want to stay in Australia. So they've got a really high level education in Australia. Can you imagine them going and working in a survey company in Australia with all of the mouse that they have? One of the big problems is that um, is communication issues. Mm-hmm. Firstly, for the company's understanding what it is that the that the, the student brings or the graduate brings, but also from the graduate understanding how to work in a commercial world, right? Because yeah. they've just been in this kind of academic world all of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've managed to place three Chinese students in the last three, three to five years into, into organisations. And these are survey companies Good. in New South Wales, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the reason I'm doing this is because there's this confluence between um, technologies where we're getting laser scanners and things like that, producing enormous amounts of data and using softwares. And how do you handle all this data? And wouldn't it be great if you could write some code that would transfer this data to that data, this to that? Research students have all of those skills, right? They bring skills that my undergraduate students don't. So I find myself talking on the phone to the HR department saying, don't expect this student to be the same as my undergrads. Give them a tripod, they probably can't set it up, right? So they're not a surveyor. They're not going to do that. But what they're going to do is something different in your business and you could benefit from that. So it's a bit of a risk. It's a bit of a risk for the companies to take them. But it's also the students are super keen to stay and work in Australia because it's so incredibly hard and intimidating for them to get their first job Mm -hmm. in Australia. And if they get a job which builds on what they already know and their skills, Mm -hmm. it's a win-win situation, right? It's a win-win-win situation because the company gets a person who's like a you know like a gladiator in yeah. terms of dealing with all this high-end stuff the student gets a great job that they can build on right and the profession rises as a result so you don't get some idiot from computer science who doesn't understand georeferencing and oh. uncertainty right <laughs> coming in and taking away work yes. that we should own right <laughs> so yeah. one of my big things at the moment is trying to place higher degree research students into the local surveying profession. Now it's hard because it's a risk, you know, and the companies have to be big enough that they've got enough fat that they could take someone and, you know, maybe you've got to train a little bit to start with, get them used to and how you work together. But with a, and, but these companies are doing it right. And, and, and it's working. Our students are good. They're coming out. They're good. They're smart. You've just got to work out how to communicate together and, 
man, there's some, there's some opportunities there. Because if they go and work in China, they go and work in a Chinese company, they're doing that all the time. They're yeah. doing amazing stuff. You talk to these guys about what they would do in China. Yeah, it's great stuff what they're doing. Let's do that in Australia. Let's do it and benefit from these kids who are coming out of an Australian education system and want to contribute to our economy in Australia. Fantastic. Let's do that. Mm, forward thinking. Yeah, yeah. Let's grow it. Let's grow it. Because then once that starts happening, then you're going to get, you're going to see your domestic students are going to want to come and do PhDs as well. And again, this is I'm stemming the tide of anti-intellectuals <laughs> in Australia, right? It's a bit of a crusade of, of mine, but you know, like let, we can do this. Come on, let's go. You know, I failed maths in first year at uni. Look at me. <laughs> There's a few surveys that I've spoken to that have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's okay. You know, from failure comes greatness. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to stop now. You go. <laughs> Off your soapbox. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry about that. Don't be yeah. silly. No, that this is... This is what this is all about. It's, you know, what what do we need to get out there? What are people's passions? How, how are we going to get our industry, you know, moving and shaking and all that kind of mm. stuff? So mm, mm, mm. that's what I'm yeah, here yeah. for. Yay. Thanks, Peter. It's, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Probably need a long rest after this. Sorry. Ah, I love it. I love it. Okay, this is the easy part. This is our quick shots. Uh, oh, okay, shoot. Hot, cold, yes, no. Okay, all right. Whatever you think. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Cat or dog? Would have said cat, now I'll say dog. <laughs> sunrise or sunset? Or sunrise, I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. Summer or winter? <sighs> kind of like winter. Yeah. Roller coasters? Do you love them or hate them? Love them. <laughs> no, why Faster the better. <laughs> Three items you'd take to a desert island. Oh, uh, I reckon I'd have to have some music. Yeah. Have to have something to read. Um, desert island? Maybe some goggles and a snorkel so I could go snorkeling, do something active. Yeah. Nice. Look at the fish. Nice. Favourite song or artist? Whoa, God, there's a lot, isn't there? There is. Um, oh, blimey. Um, in, I was really into music. I used to be a radio announcer in Adelaide, just at a local radio station. Oh, really? Now, that doesn't show called surprise the, me either. <laughs> we used to do this show called A Fistful of Vinyl. So I was really into uh, punk and new wave punk. So I really liked the Dead Kennedys back uh -huh. then. But I have I have matured a little bit these days. I don't know. I really like Frank Sinatra too, you know. I just like this, a wide range of music. Oh, look, I just don't know how to answer that. No, that's okay. I, I have trouble with that as well. God. <laughs> um, the Incredibles. Oh, nice. I know it's a kid's movie, but far out, man, that just presses my buttons, that movie. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's fantastic. Favourite book? Ooh. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon. It's a, it's a collection of short stories written by John Long, who was famous for being um, him and Jim Bridwell and I can't remember the other guy's name, were the first to climb uh, the nose of El Capitan in a day in 1975. Wow. So, yeah, so I... I climbed it in 1993, but it took us four and a half days. So they, they climbed it in a day. And, and, and anyway, John Long turns out to be this fantastic author. He writes this really muscular language and I read it sweating and my heart beating. And he has all these fantastic adventure stories. And when I worked at UNAFCO, I got this book, Gorilla Monsoon. We were geodetic engineers and we sort of fancied ourselves as these adventurer types and we'd go off. And so I would give the book to my mates and they'd go off to Kazakhstan or something. And when they came back, they'd write a little thing in the fore forward and then pass it on to the next person and so i've now got the book with all of this and it's all oh, cool. dog-eared and everything and it's got all these little quotes in there and and yeah and every now and then i read these little short stories and just like oh yeah so gorilla monsoon by john long fantastic book nice 
Um, introvert or extrovert? Oh, definitely introvert. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I've yeah. been described as the most extroverted person many yeah. people have met. Yes. So that uh, the next one is your glass half full or half empty? Oh, it's half half full. Full. Always. Yeah. Always. It's usually full. <laughs> oh, I was going to say always full for you. <laughs> Overflowing, darling. <laughs> One thing you'd never do again. Oh. Um, snowboarding. Oh, really? Yeah, I was shit at snowboarding. I just <laughs> bloody injured myself. I, I don't get to the snow very often. So when I go, I ski and I just figure I'm going to do one thing and I try and do it well, you know. Yeah. You know, I had a bad day snowboarding. Nah, yeah, I'm not very good at it. So. Yeah, I've been on skis for too long. I don't think I'd be that good at it either. If you had a warning label, what would it be? <laughs> don't give him a microphone. <laughs> Don't give him a microphone because you'll never shut him up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows you best? Oh. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Jessie, my wife, Jessie. Yep. Yeah, she knows me pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mum too. She knows me pretty well. Yeah. Definitely. What was your favourite subject in school? Uh, maybe geography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon geography. I really enjoyed physics in year 11 and I really enjoyed history in year 10 too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to a great school. Just what were you like at comprehensive. Oh, look, I was reasonable at maths. Yeah, yeah. I was reasonable, but I wasn't great. Yep. I wasn't great at maths, but, you know, I was decent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I liked it. I definitely liked it. Yeah. Mm. Just curious. Favourite yeah. childhood memory? Oh, that's a toughie. Favourite childhood memory. Um, gosh, that's that's a real toughie. I don't know. Maybe it was probably on a scout camp somewhere um, or it could have been playing soccer, mm-hmm. scoring some goals, playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Don't play anymore. Um, yeah, yep. that'll do. Favourite food? Uh, God, there's so much, isn't there? I, um, I'm increasingly liking uh, Vietnamese food and Persian food is pretty delicious. Mm. Yeah, you know. Mm. Favourite drink? Oh, apple and black currant juice, I reckon. I reckon, of, yeah, I love apple and black currant juice. <laughs> What's your pet peeve? Um, oh God, I've got a billion of those. I'm, you know, intolerant person. Oh, yes. And <laughs> um, people, people riding along with their bike. Here's something just, I just saw it the other day again. People riding along with their bike and they've got their helmet hanging off the handlebars. Uh, and they're riding their bike. It's just like, dude, it's a pain in the ass to have your, hand, your helmet floating around on the handlebars. We you stick it on your head and avoid a $330 fine. You know, it's, it's not that hard. It's, yeah. and, and also brain, and brain injury if something happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, slow drivers. God, but that's just me. I'm impatient and yeah. I don't have many points left on my license. So I'm probably the person that's at fault there. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, that one is in the driving sense. It's just the people doing 50 in a 70 zone for no reason. Ah, haven't you people got places to go oh my god i was driving home on friday and i'm cursing all these people and then michelle rings me and i'm like going i don't know if you want to speak to me right now i said i'm having a very very frustrating drive home (laughs) (laughs) indeed would you win the lottery or the perfect job ah perfect job Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What's your biggest fear? Um, losing my health, I think, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, you know, when people say, as you get older, as you and I both know, yep. people say, I've got my health. 
oh my god that is so important mm. when you've got your health and then suddenly you don't you go oh my god i can't do the things that i want to do so yeah yeah, yeah losing my health mm. yep what's your favorite sport uh, i probably have to say afl i gotta mm-hmm. say like it never was but it's afl's changed and my kids played footy at the Maroubra Saints, fantastic Maroubra Saints. And I coached for about seven or eight years. And I really got into it by doing that, by going through the Oz kick and everything like that. And oh, yeah. it turns out that one of the kids that I coached early on, I didn't really, I was sort of assistant coach. I didn't have much to do with him. Uh, it was Errol Gordon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Two I see. Uh, Errol Golden, who's now in the Swans. Oh, wow. won the rising star in the first round. He won the rising star in the first round against Brisbane. Um, and he, we always knew he knew like when he was six, he knew more about footy than I did. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But no, I do. I love the AFL. I really love the AFL. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great game. Morning or night person. Well, we know that one, don't Good we? Morning. Yeah. Proudest moment. That's pretty big. Um, I, felt, I felt pretty good getting my PhD. Um, I felt pretty fantastic when Jessie, bless her heart, signed up to marry me. <laughs> God, what was she thinking, man? That was that was pretty big. And um, she must love roller coasters too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's a good woman. Uh, <laughs> she's an amazing woman. God, it's always a win when I come home and she's still there. Um, um, and um, maybe, maybe also, just it was pretty amazing birth of both my kids, yeah. both my boys. That's yeah. that's a pretty. I think as that's you get older, one. it's hard to pick just one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Different times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Climbing the nose, that was pretty good too. Yeah. So I'm going to climb the nose of El Cap, the first Adelaide lapsed Methodist descent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, you, if you drill down enough, you can always get a first for something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, dream car? Oh, don't know. I don't really care about cars as long as they <laughs> get me from A to B. You know, I don't know, Toyota Hilux. But oh. Never had one. I've got a Skoda at the moment. That's fantastic. But, you know, I, didn't, I haven't washed it for four years. I don't care. I just get me somewhere. It's funny. Some people are so love their cars and some just really <laughs> do not give a crap. <laughs> nah, don't care. On a scale of one to ten, how cool are you? <laughs> About a three. I'm not cool at all. I'm not cool at all. I'm just, you know, I've always been the nerdy kid at school. I used to wear a yellow skivvy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of the uh, nerd is closer to my brand, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not cool, and I'm happy to not be cool. Yeah. What's your favourite colour? I think like red. Yeah, I think red. Strong colour. As you're wearing a red T-shirt. I'm wearing, wearing red. <laughs> and Swanee's are playing today, playing Carlton. Oh, okay. How do you think they'll go? Uh, danger game, but we'll win. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Are you an Apple or Android? Apple. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what star sign are you? Uh, I am a mysterious Cancer Leo cusp. which means that um it's all pseudoscience rubbish but it means that i'm incredibly attracted to libras uh, but they're dangerous for me and my best partner is a virgo so um i got to the stage she's a virgo (laughs) but it got to the stage where i could i seriously this is weird right because this is like i'm from the whole sort of science background and everything but i've i've got this string of ex-girlfriends or whatever's who are all Libras and even got to the point where I would go to parties and I'd see some girl that I was quite attracted to and I'd go up to her and I'd say, first thing I'd say, you're a Libra, aren't you? And they'd go, yeah, how did you know? <laughs> Weird. I was tuned into this stuff, you know, and it's just like, you keep away from me, girl. Keep away from me. You're bad for me. <laughs> You're bad for someone who calls it the pseudoscience. <laughs> It is a pseudoscience. It's weird, you know, but actually it's all based on 
it's actually based on stars and astronomy and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, what do I teach next week? I'm going to be teaching VLBI, very long base interferometry, where we're doing positioning from quasars and stars and planes and all that sort of stuff, you know? So it's like, wow, maybe geodesy, maybe. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for me, Craig. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for Thank you for putting up with me for oh, all this time. Amazing. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of editing. <laughs> no, no, not much at all. I don't do much of that. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Peter. It was, it was okay. great fun. And, um, yeah, hope, I hope someone listens to it and might ring me up and say, hey, Craig, thinking about being an education-focused academic at UNSW. Well, you, you never know. You never know. Let's hope. Fingers That's, crossed. So, how can people find you through LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn or just email c.roberts at UNSW. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank yep. you so much. Brilliant. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for my first New Zealand surveyor, Belinda Willis from Geosync, the land surveying and spatial solutions company. Defining boundaries with Peter Cox.